Acapulco, Mexico, working at this orphanage. And uh, groups would come in, and we had these work projects. And uh, a different group would come in every week, and, and we were basically uh, digging out these trenches with pitchforks, and it was like not sophisticated, although it could have been. They just weren't in a big hurry. And so as the weeks went on, I figured out what the foreman, you know, you, you, there's the same thing every week. So he would go on his speech, and then, uh, and I would then tell everyone what he said. And so then the rest of the week, everyone thought I could speak Spanish. I, I couldn't. I just knew what he was talking about. And so we would go to church on Sundays with the, the kids, and we'd cram into this, not a big bus, but, um, and then have this harrowing ride to church and not know a single word that was happening the whole time. But they had awesome snacks afterward. And then we'd go to this uh, little water park, and I'm reminiscing. It doesn't really matter. But I love singing in Spanish. It makes me think of that. Okay, we're talking about fruit of the Spirit, and we are at an actual fruit of the Spirit. And we learned from the Beatles that all you need is love. Nothing you can do that can't be done. No song that you can sing that can't be sung. All you need is love. That's true. So I don't know what song you're going to have. There are a lot to choose from. Whitney Houston, you know, there's just a ton of songs to have in the back of your mind as you're listening to this. We are talking about growing in the fruit of the Spirit. We spent five weeks getting ready for this because it's so easy then to think, okay, now we're going to talk about all the stuff we got to do. There is stuff we got to do, but this comes out of a heart filled with love for Jesus. That's so important because Jesus is at work in us, City of Hope. We are called to love. There's this, I'm sure you may have seen it, Planet Earth. You know, they're going all over the world. In, in season one, episode one, I think, uh, there's a bird of paradise. And they, they talk about how the males spent all this time getting the nest ready. And they, they're doing all this work. They go out, they, uh, they basically find um, leaves and use them as brooms. They, they mess it up so they can get it just perfect. They want it to be the perfect setting. And finally, a female comes in to check it out. She's been going around. She comes in, and then the male does this whole elaborate production. This is sort of like high school, right? Um, and, and so he puffs himself up. He, he makes this weird, crazy blue face. He is, his head moves around. He has these clicks. He struts, of course. And the lady bird watches all this, looks. See you later. Peace out. Not good enough. And the narrator says, It's hard not to feel deflated when your best isn't good enough. Oh, profound moment. It's hard to feel good enough. It's hard not to feel deflated when your best isn't good enough. So as we think about love today, we all want love, but we all want a love that doesn't hurt. We want to receive love, but so often we get rejected from love because love is risk. It takes risk to love. And this 
Fear of risk, fear of rejection, keeps us from loving God and our neighbor, which we're called to do. We want a love that won't hurt. We want a love that we can control. We want a love that that is received and reciprocated, but without all that stuff. And God tells us over and over in the Bible that that is not possible. He not just tells us, he shows us. We are called to risk and sacrifice. That shouldn't be a surprise if we, if we follow Jesus along the Gospels and watch him risk, sacrifice, The life of Jesus, after all, ends in a sacrificial death on the cross where he gives us his life and unites us to himself if if you know him and love him. And so God's desire for us is this Jesus-centered life that, that is guided by giving life to by the Holy Spirit, the one that, that makes all this happen. It's this type of love. And so Paul teaches us all the things that you can do, all the gifts, sure, yeah, those are good. But if I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Now what's so interesting about that first piece of this super famous text, it's, it's hard to live in America around anything around the church and not hear this. It's the wedding text for sure. But these right here, I mean, we could say a lot of things. There's a lot of things you can do, but if you don't have love, right? But these are religious things. And that's important. These aren't even separated out of the church. You can be super generous in tithe. And if you don't have love, still tithe. Definitely. It doesn't say stop doing any of it. But it's really not accounted to what you think it is. That's not love. It could be duty. You could uh, be so knowledgeable about the Bible, about the Book of Church Order, about the Westminster Confession of Faith, about all this theology. That's not love. Love has to be involved in that. You can be so devoted. You can believe in a cause. You can believe in a lot of things. but, But love has to be in the center of all these things, right? So Paul is teaching us that love is everything. Everything gets defined by love, connected to love. What we know, what we feel, what we learn, loving God, loving people. And so, so maybe we could just stop here and, and ask, what is City of Hope known for in Colombia, in the region? What is this church known for? Love has to be in there, doesn't it? And we may want it to be in there, but, but we might be known for other things. And those other things are fine, as long as they're love 
connected to it, right? That we are called as, as an individual people to love other people. We're actually, I think, called to love groups of people or, or places, tasks, things, and ultimately God. But we could do great things and have great knowledge and pass tests like crazy. Do great ministry. We have to have love. That's what Paul is is driving home. That love directs us and love defines us. So what is love? Seems like we should start there. And what our culture says is love is what you feel. When you look deep in your soul, you find love. I found a really great article on CNN by Carolyn Chen. She's a professor, and this I found it recently, but it got in the last couple of weeks with these graduation speeches. And she, she referenced Steve Jobs' 2005 uh, graduation speech that has become the accepted gospel of graduation speeches. It basically, Steve Jobs says, find what you love and do what you love. Remember that? That sounds super familiar, right, in, in our world, in our culture. Find your passion. Get love. Be authentic to your true self. Give your whole self And what do you think Steve Jobs wants you to give your whole self to? Work. That's a great, that's great gospel for Microsoft, isn't it? it, Oh, wait, no, for Apple. Whichever one. For Apple. And so if you do that, and this is more and more common, and I'm not saying we don't do it, but your, your work becomes your culture, your community, your identity, your purpose, right? Work starts to demand your body, mind, soul, and heart. And work works to earn your love. And if you turn your back on work, you say maybe I need a break, it does not go good because you are in a relationship with work. Now, of course, we all need to work somewhere, somehow. I don't, and I'm not going to tell you how you have to do it. But work doesn't exactly want you to make the world a better place. Work wants to optimize you so that you create things. It used to be that people thought work is a sacrifice of time and energy that's necessary so you can build your life outside of it. That does not sound like people talk now, does it? And then you find out that work doesn't really love you back. That we want more fulfillment. And it says, oh yeah, we got it. It's right around the corner. Hobbies become refreshment breaks so you can go back to work. We're trying to cultivate our LinkedIn brand. Hey, I'm, I'm in there. 
If we lose our jobs, we lose our identities. Now, I'm not saying don't hate, that you should hate your job. No, no, no. But we want to love smart in a work-obsessed world. And what do we become when we love work too much? Okay, so love. Love, love, love. The Bible says love is found in Christ. God says that He is love. So He defines love. And so we read in, in here, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. It never ends. This is so different, right? From TV love, movie love, culture love. Uh, Love is getting in bed. Love is exciting. Love makes me feel fulfilled. Paul talks about that in the desires of the flesh. Self-indulgence. You know, when someone has an affair, often you'll hear, I've never felt so happy. And I feel so good, that must be what God wants for me. And that does not sound like patience, kindness, hope, endurance, facing conflict and disappointment, but remaining committed and connected. Instead, love in our culture says it's what you feel and what you get not what we offer our neighbor. It's certainly not easy, is it? Patience? Love is patient? What about the people that I don't feel like loving? Jesus even says, love your enemies. He says, if you love your frenemies, that's easy, that's normal. What if you love your enemies? And that should drive us crazy. Because I tell you, you got an enemy. It may not be like an arch villain. I've got one, an arch nemesis. Um, but I'll tell you that story later. But, you know, you just I don't go, go down the list and you can hit one. Maybe it's an annoyance, right? Or maybe it's a sibling or who knows. Somebody that just... Now, some of you have people that really don't like you. We all have that. Not everybody likes each other. Okay. But Jesus tells us to hope for that enemy. To endure for that enemy. A couple years back, you know, I was starting to do yoga. And, and at the end, I started praying for my kids. Short prayers at the end while we're all settling down. I pray for my kids and I pray for Julie and I pray for my family. And I did that for months and months and months. And then one day, God brought somebody I really don't like to mind. And it wasn't one of those people. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm praying for these people that I love. And, like, and I was like, dude, what? No. This is not what we're doing. 
We are not praying for people like that. And I was like, okay, okay. So then the next week, another one. Oh. God, stop, please. But I just felt like I was supposed to pray for these folks. Try to be faithful. Instead of being limited, smug, complacent, self-satisfied, none of those are holy inspired, Holy Spirit inspired. Here in our culture right now, especially, uh, we are required to agree. And, and so when we don't agree, we either ignore the differences to squeeze that into the same place, right? And say, no, no, we're all the same. Or else we rage. We're not interested in seeking understanding with those who disagree with us. That's true in politics. It's true in the PCA. It's true in social issues. It's true in songs. And so we draw away and push away instead of drawing near in person, on social media. We say, we're going to agree or be gone. Not Holy Spirit love, is it? So I think Jesus' invitation through Paul and what he he does in his teaching and in his life is, is more beautiful and more difficult than any of that. Now you might be thinking, okay, Doug, what about real hurt, real evil? Totally. Uh, learning to love is difficult and it takes time. It can be slow and incremental. Real love is tough. And real love is true about horror. It does not say there's no evil in the world. It's just not true. The, the Bible certainly doesn't say that. Jesus certainly doesn't teach that. True love weeps and laments. So I'm not talking about staying in or re-entering abuse. No, when we're in relations like that, we have to be honest. Honesty and even some distance in some way is loving. Going and getting counseling is important in our world. I highly recommend it. Not just for your self-protection or preservation, but even so you can learn how to love your enemy and process that. So love at times exposes evil. Love at times says no. Love at times raises its voice. Love at times protects others, tells the truth. In other words, there is not a formula for this, is there? I'm not going to be able to exactly tell you what you're going to do or what you should do when... Your child, your parent, your friend, your coworker comes out. Transitions. I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what you should do when you're asked to attend a wedding you don't agree with. 
for whatever reason. The things that we're going to have to process and talk about together. It's, it's always been true in some ways, but it's more true. There are going to be difficult decisions that, that we have to make in order to love people that make different decisions than what we do or, or what we think. And we've also got to think about how a lot of what we think is love comes from our, our culture or our time, whether it's our American culture, if that's yours, or, or whether it's your family culture. This is what love looks like according to us. This is how we communicate it. Uh, I know some people, and the husband is American, and the wife is Swedish. And according to her, now I don't know if this is Sweden or her family, but she could never say, I love you, in Swedish. She'd never heard anyone say, I love you, in Swedish. It's Jag Elska Day. So she could say it to her husband in English, and he could say it to her in Swedish, but the words wouldn't come out of her mouth. That's cultural, right? And so we see the monsters in ourselves and others, and we also see that the image of God is in ourselves and others. And Jesus brings about justice ultimately at the cross and at the end. Here's another cultural love that sometimes we put ourselves in situations. I had a couple in our church, and uh, it's a complicated story in some ways. He went to jail when he was 18 and was in jail for like 25 years. While he was in jail, he met a woman, and they uh, dated, you know, she came once a week or so, and and they eventually found our church and joined our church while in jail. His life got transformed. It was amazing. And so when they got out of jail, they got married uh, on the very first Sunday, the very first moment they could. And so we started doing post-marital counseling. I remember distinctly on the first time uh, he said, I'm going to be such a great husband, which I have no doubt. It's like, oh, why do you think that? Because I've had over 50 roommates and so I'm really great at being a roommate. <laughs> I did not expect those words to come out of his mouth. And normally I would not laugh in someone's face. I was like, dude, <laughs> what part of you thinks that being married to her <laughs> is any in the world connected to being in prison with 50 prisoner dudes? I mean... I would think a fraternity guy would have more chance to think that than, than what you're saying. Oh my goodness. We have to learn how to love. Especially if we've been hurt or damaged. We all have. Or experienced trauma. Or we, we were told something was love and it, it's not. This is what I'm saying. It's, it's a thing. And we look to to Jesus, who came in love. And so he came to serve and give his life as a ransom to many. He, he came to wash the disciples' feet. In love, he said hard things to people, like repent or perish. There's going to be judgment in hell. Get rid of self-righteousness. 
bear one another's burdens like he did for us. And then Paul says, all these other things will pass away. It's interesting to think about the things that we won't be able to do in heaven. All these sermons, all this theological knowledge is pointing to the one that will not pass away. Love will remain. And one day we will see love and be with love and love and be loved fully because God loves us. That's what he's been teaching us all the way back. And why does he love us? I think sometimes we think the love is like dating. And it used to be that we had these lists in our head. You know, what's, what's your top ten things you're looking for in a spouse? Now you just put it on, you just know it. Everyone can see what you're looking for. And you just have these algorithms that match it all up. There's no like random, I just met you, so let's do it. It's like, no, 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 you don't hit the right percentage of numbers. We're very, at least honest about that now. And so think about what's on your list or what was on your list if you're already married. And most times, I think, at least right now, we're going for earning potential or some way to solve the loneliness or what hobbies do you like? Physical preferences, sure. We're not listing patient. Is this person kind? Does this person forgive, endure? They're a lot harder to measure. They might end up being a little more important. And so, so love is a lot more like marriage than dating where two people stand up and make a covenant to each other. Now, when I do weddings, I will permit writing your own vows as long as those are not the only vows. You have to, when I, in a wedding, I do do the traditional vows. These vows have been around for a long time. Your whatever crazy vow you had, and Julie and I wrote our own vows. And didn't do the traditional vows. And I got to tell you, they're, they're not awesome. I was trying to be profound and, and also make her laugh at the same time. Is that, is that a good vow? I had a couple recently who did their own vows and the traditional vows. And I remember distinctly, I couldn't believe I was hearing it. He's like, I will always watch The Bachelor with you. In the, in the important things about marriage, you put that in, I also got to tell you, dude, you, will, you won't. What if she wants to watch it at 4 a.m. after another 10 hours of watching it? You're going to say no. In the vows that, that we say, we say in sickness and in health, in plenty or in want, till death do us part. Now, I understand we break these vows, but that is the vow, and that's the type of love. And then the other type of love, oftentimes when you make that vow, you have kids. 
This is very different, though, because so you do all this work, the, the wife, the woman, the mom does all this work especially, sacrifices her, her whole body and continues to do so, and what do you as parents get? No sleep, crying, dirty diapers. It's like not, it's not balanced, right? And then you just keep that up over and over and over in different ways. I'm giving you all these clothes. I take you on all these trips. I buy you all these books. I just continue to do all that. When your spouse says, why do you love me? I guarantee you, you have, you have to have an answer. But when your child says, why do you love you? It's like, what do you say? Because I don't know. Because I made you. Because God gave you to me. It's not because you're doing a lot of stuff for me. That's not why, right? I, I didn't get to fill out an app thing for this. It's serving. Because you're serving that child. And you chose that child. What does Jesus get from us. And yet he serves us all the way to the cross. That's the way of eternity. That's what we were made for, that love, that relationship with him. And, and what he's saying is that can change us now. Jesus invites us to that. One more illustration, I'll be done. I'm reading this book. It's about uh, palliative care, you know, when someone's dying and, and, and what you're supposed to say, the things that are really hard to say. My friend suggested it because he's spending about 10 hours a week in nursing homes and where people are dying. And of course, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll read with my friends. So I'm walking down the street. It doesn't occur to me that, you know, my dad died. So I'm like, weeping, you know, just like, <laughs> why am I reading this book? But it's so good. And so this is a little bit of a reverse story. Um, one of the stories in the book is this young 12-year-old girl, Gabriella. She finds out she has lymphoma. She, she and her parents fight, fight, fight. She has two younger siblings. They go through all this stuff, right? And it seems like it's working, but but when she turned 16, she has this terrible, terrible night. And the mom was at the hospital and she calls her husband to come, come. I think this is it. The, the, the nurses seem like this is it. So get here. And then she says, we need to tell her that we love her. That's one of the things you're supposed to do. That seems obvious, but it's not easy all the time. And that we're sorry. And the reason why she wanted to tell her is sorry is because they thought she was going to make it and they pushed her and pushed her and pushed her. And so she didn't get to live a super awesome last few years. And, and, and they weren't really ready for her to die. And so, so the, the mom had this you know, thing and they talked and they held her and they told her they loved her and they told her they were proud of her. And that she could go. Her grandparents would be waiting for her. 
But Gabriella went to sleep, and you know what? She woke up the next day. And she said to her mom, she was so in such different spirits. And she said, I want to have a champagne and Hershey kisses party. <laughs> okay. And she said, I want to do it at home with my siblings. It was Christmas time. And so they, it was a big elaborate production, right? And so they got her there. And like everything's looking awesome. And, and she says, you know, do it this way. And so they're doing it the way she wants. And she eats two Hershey kisses and she drinks a champagne. Her mom says, let me go get a towel. Her mom brings a towel back, puts it on her head. She dies. Okay, so what in the world? Uh, I love you is so important. Isn't it? Death is a part of that. Only resurrection.